ministry, Luke, the fourth chapter. Uh, And of course, just as a little bit of history, uh, Jesus, of course, is in the temple in this chapter and his really his first manifestation of what he was doing. And he stands up and he quotes Isaiah, the 61st uh, chapter, which is one of the most beautiful passages in scripture, a messianic uh, psalm in Isaiah. And uh, we will just read down uh, verses 16 down through 19, uh, verses 16 of Luke, the fourth chapter. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then, in verse 20, just for some effect, this is the first and most incredible drop-the-mic boom. He said, and when he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, eyes were all fixed upon him, and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Drop the mic. In other words, it's over. It's done. What you saw all through the Old Testament has now been fulfilled in this guy that's standing right in front of you, the son of a carpenter, raised with you, just good old Jesus. Boom. Jesus came, of course, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which we see him demonstrating all through scripture, uh, and he even gives a good definition of it uh, as the last part of uh, this chapter, verse 43, he said, I must go preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because this is the purpose to which I've been sent. So he's out preaching the gospel, and we understand that if a person accepts this gospel, we believe it does basically three things. It, uh, number one, it will change people. The gospel changes people. And I believe we've got to get back to a firm belief and understanding of that, especially in these last days, that this gospel really does change people. This is not just a get better thing. It's not just a self-help thing. This gospel changes people's lives. It is the greatest example of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a changed life. Forget about all the apologetics, all the arguments, all the scripture study, all the debates, trying to prove that God created the heavens and the earth. That's all great and wonderful. Forget about all the healings and deliverances um, because the world will always have a way to explain those things away. By the way, uh, in the nursery right now is, is Gina Moorhead, and the doctors uh, said that she had a blood clot on her lung when she was in the hospital, and everybody began praying, and then the doctor came back a couple days later and says, well, we really can't see a blood clot anymore. So we know that was all just a misdiagnosis, right? It was just a mistake. They, the machine got a little bit cockeyed. <laughs> But in spite of all that, that's wonderful, and hallelujah, we want that more and more. But no one, no one can explain the instant change of heart that occurs when somebody gets saved. It's inexplicable. You can't do it. I was reading a testimony a while back of a sniper that was uh, fighting in the Fatah movement. He was Muslim, and he got saved. And uh, suddenly he found this new love for Jewish people. 
that he was just trying to shoot. And he said, my head was saying to my heart, what's happening? <laughs> I was taught my whole life to hate. Now I only love. That's the gospel. That's the good news that Jesus preached. I remember I was just sharing this with my mother. She was sharing something uh, uh, just yesterday or this morning. I can't remember because it was later than about three hours ago. So that's all a blur. Uh, many of you have read the story of Corey Ten Boom, uh, and if you haven't, please go read her life story. But uh, she was, of course, in a prisoner of war camp during Nazi uh, Germany, and her sister died in the camp, and it was just a horrible experience. But later on in life, she met the Nazi guard that raped and murdered her sister, but he had since that time become a believer, and when they met each other, they hugged and they said they loved each other, and now they're in heaven worshiping together. Only the gospel can do that. Only the gospel can allow that forgiveness. So the gospel changes people. That's the first and foremost thing that we know. Second, we know that the gospel will give people new potential in life. We have been given, we said the word earlier, all things. Everybody say all. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. How much of our modern science would we not have if it weren't for Christians? Boyle, Faraday, Descartes, Newton, Occam, Lemaitre, Kepler. Kepler himself said that research and discovery are thinking God's thoughts after him. The gospel of Jesus Christ expands the mind, it frees the thoughts, and it opens the eyes to see certain things around us. The gospel does that. All of the benefits that we have now really are because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All knowledge is his knowledge, and all of this knowledge has been opened up to us. So it changes people. It gives people potential. And, of course, third, we know that the gospel uh, creates an eternal difference in people, doesn't it? Hallelujah. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. That in the ages to come, I love when Paul says that, that he might show us all of who he is in the ages to come, age after age after age, so we have eternity to look forward to as well. But let's see what Jesus did in bringing this gospel, what he actually came to preach, and we're just going to zero in on three uh, different things. Uh, in verse 18, number, number one, uh, Jesus said, first, I came to preach. Jesus came to preach. Now, this is, it can be sort of a silly sounding thing, preach. Uh, you know, we, we, we could see Jesus telling the Father, well, you know, Lord, they are in a real mess down there. People are dying, uh, the devil's in control, and it's just a bad situation. Uh, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Father. I'm going to go down and preach. Preach. That's like, that's like pulling up to somebody on the road that has a flat tire and rolling down the window and saying, oh, you have a flat tire, I see. Well, I have a sermon for that. Let me preach. Well, we, you don't need to preach, you need to fix the flat. But, of course, we understand that Jesus did more than just preach. He brought actions with it, too. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, he saved souls, he did all that. But it began, began with a preparation uh, of the a declaration of the gospel of the kingdom. Paul actually calls what I'm doing right now and what we do out in the world when we, when we declare the gospel, he calls it foolishness. He said, through the foolishness of preaching, God has declared himself to the world. Every time I get up here, I think about how foolish it is. I mean, just, just think about it in the natural, how silly this is. I, one person that doesn't know much of anything, is going to stand up here 
and tell all of you that are looking to me, to this one person, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you what God is saying to you today. Is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard? Now, now I would, I would understand maybe if I was Charles Schwab or E.F. Hutton, right? Because everybody listens to E.F. Hutton. Or if I was uh, Albert Einstein or one of the scientists that I just mentioned. Well, you know, yeah, but, but here I am. Do you know how stupid I really am? I'm not being self-effacing in, in any way, but I'm just a normal person. I, I don't have any other special knowledge other than you guys have. The difference is that God, through his gifting, has anointed certain people to do certain things, and that's all he wants is a donkey to speak. Hey, how come my mother was the only one that really laughed at that? But that's all we are. We're just used of God's way. So God has ordained the foolish things, the word says, to confound the wise. And that's my goal every Sunday is to confound all of you. <laughs> But there's a spiritual dynamic that is present when the gospel is being preached unlike anything else. You won't find it in an Islamic mosque. You'll only find dead, dry discussions from a dead book with a dead author. You won't find it in a synagogue. You'll find only dry, dead liturgy only from a half of God's heart. You won't find it there. You won't find it in a lot of things. But you will find it in the preaching of the gospel under the anointing of the Spirit. And the big difference is that Jesus came taught and was teaching as one having authority not as the scribes and the Pharisees. Why? Because he was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that just applies to you then in the pulpit. No, 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 no. No, that applies to all of you every time you give an answer of the reason of the hope that is within you to someone who's asking. Every time you speak the gospel to somebody, even if it's just giving them a cup of water, even if it's just helping them through a destitute situation, the power of the Holy Spirit is preaching through you. Unlike any other thing. Actually, right now, in this message, throughout this message, everybody is receiving a different sermon. I don't know if you knew that or not. Some of you are getting things that I'm not even saying. That's happened so many times over the years. Somebody will say to me, oh, you, you said that in the message, and boy, it was something. And I'm looking back through my notes. I'm thinking, I did not say that. They heard something that the Holy Spirit was telling them. And usually when that happens, it's a better sermon anyway. <laughs> Some of you are hearing exactly what I'm saying, and it's exactly for what you need today. And others of you are hearing something that's not for today, but it's for next Wednesday or two months from now or a year from now, the Holy Spirit will bring it back. But everyone is hearing something, and that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you preach the gospel. That's why when Jesus came preaching the gospel, the Pharisees got offended, the Sadducees got angry, but the poor in spirit accepted it and were saved. Everybody's hearing something different. That's the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. Now, you say, well, who's, who's he preaching to, and what did he do? Well, the word tells us that he's in order to preach the gospel to the, number one, to the poor, to the poor. Um, and we've got to clarify that word poor uh, because this is not, we're not just talking about the typical third world person or the street person or the person who's on welfare or something or going through a different, difficult time or whatever. Uh, the poor, literally in scriptures, the poor in spirit, the poor is anyone who is helpless, hopeless, and humble. Remember those three H's helpless, hopeless, and humble. How many in here are helpless, hopeless? <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, without Jesus, without Jesus, being poor has nothing to do with money. We know that. 
I've seen poor people around the world in third world countries that were rich in love and joy and peace. And we've all seen rich people around the world that are poor in life. They're just miserable. I, I always like to use this example. I've, I've used it before, but, but it fits again. I, I always look at, uh, at Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Okay, Two uh, gorgeous people, extremely wealthy, lacking nothing. Right, Women, how many of you would love to have a husband that looks like Brad Pitt and you have $50 million in the bank? Men, and I'll tell you right now, don't breathe, don't look, don't smile, don't nod, just look straight ahead like nothing ever happened. But how many of you would love to have a wife that looked like Angelina Jolie and have $50 million in the bank? Shh. We all know that that's not the answer, right? We all know that's not the answer. These gorgeous people still empty and void and can't stay married and run from man to man and woman to woman. What other thing you think you're going to find other than Brad Pitt and a hundred million dollars? Nothing. Nothing. If I just had, you say, well, what's this have to do with us? Folks, if I just had that man, oh, if I just had that woman, if I just had that bank account, if I just had that job, if I just had that degree, then this would happen. If I just had that, then this would happen. No, no, no. We need Jesus is what we need. Without Jesus, every one of us in this room is poor. We are hopeless, we are helpless, we are lost. But here's the good news. Jesus came to bring all the goodness of God to every helpless, hopeless human being. With Jesus, when I'm weak, I become strong. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. With Jesus, when my cup is empty, my cup can run over in the presence of my enemy, just like the psalmist David said. With Jesus, the psalmist said, you are my portion and my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places and I have a good inheritance. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Yes, we have a sentence of death in us that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who delivers us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust will still deliver us. Hallelujah. This morning, I'm not poor. I'm rich in Jesus. Hallelujah. So he came to bring the gospel to all of us, the poor in spirit. As a matter of fact, we know what he said, that the poor in spirit will inherit the earth. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to own the entire planet. Praise his name. The new one. The new one. <clears throat> Not the old one. You can keep your old one. We're going to get the new one. Hallelujah. So that's the first thing is he came to preach. Second thing we see in, in that 18th verse is that he came to heal. He came to heal. And who does he come to heal? The brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. The Greek word is actually used twice in scripture, and it is to crush completely or to shatter into pieces. Hmm. Over the years, I have seen many believers become crushed and shattered. And I think to myself, how could they possibly make it? <laughs> Man of faith, right? Ooh, boy, how are they going to make it through this? But you know what? God 
has picked up their pieces and put them back together. Hallelujah. God is the God of the second and the millionth chance. Amen. He's the God of restoration. He takes the old and he makes it new. He takes the broken and he makes it whole. He takes all of the pieces of the puzzle that we don't understand and he slowly puts them together and pops them into place. He takes that crossword with one missing word that nobody knows and letter by letter he fills it in until the crossword is done. He's a healing God. He's a God of restoration. So no matter what you're going through, body, soul, spirit, he's a God that heals all the time, all the time. So we trust in his healing power. But also, there's another alternate reading of this too. Not just the brokenhearted, but the alternate reading is downtrodden, downtrodden. Those that have been trodden under by life. Those that have been battered by, on one side, beaten on the other side. You know, sometimes you can hold up under a battering from the left. Sometimes you can hold up under a beating from the right. But, oh my goodness, sometimes it's a battering and a beating and you're trodden under. Have you ever been there before? What am I doing under this bus? <laughs> I, I, I hate when I'm trodden under. There's nothing worse than being trodden under. Battered, beaten, you can run, but trodden under. Ow. I remember, I think I told you this story before, but it was a, a, a pastor friend of mine, still pastoring. Actually, he was a youth pastor here for, for a number of years, uh, Pastor Hunt, Jerry Hunt. And he always tells a story <clears throat> before he was saved. He was a Marine, <clears throat> and um, uh, he was on med cruise, I believe, and he was an MP. And he said one time, he says, I was just, I was missing my uh, fiance at the time. And he says, I was just, he said, I was at this bar somewhere, Spain or something. And he said, I was just the prototypical drunk fool. And he said, I, I went, I was in the bar, I was loud, I was obnoxious, I'd go around to people's tables and grab their drinks and drink them, and then I'd make passes at the girl they were with and everything like that. And he said, you know, the amazing thing was, nobody did anything. He says, I, I wanted a fight. I wanted somebody to stand up and start fighting me so I can get my frustration out. He says, nobody did anything. He says, then I left the bar and went outside and there were four guys standing there. And he said, they beat me to a pulp. He said, so much so that I was face down in the gutter after they were done with me, and my friend that was with me watched the whole thing. That's a good friend. <clears throat> you know, that's probably a good friend, because some people need to learn a lesson, right? And uh, he said, Jerry, you know, the funny part was, when you were laying there, some str total stranger walked down the street and went by you and kicked you when you were in the gutter and kept on walking. <laughs> not a perfect picture of the world. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but this looks really cool. And he kicked him. That's being trodden under. <laughs> but, but, hallelujah, in those times we have a healer, don't we? He is the glory and the lifter of our heads, the word said. He is the healer of our hearts. As a matter of fact, he doesn't say it here, but you can go back in Isaiah and read what this does. Jesus said, I have come to console those that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I don't care what your heaviness is. I don't care what your ashes are. I don't 
don't care what, what old oil you have. I don't care how much you're mourning in Zion. Jesus has come to heal every part of your life. Just fix your eyes on him. Put your nose in the word. And he will heal all those things. And exchange all the junk in your life for something good. Hallelujah. So he came to the poor to preach, but he came to heal. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal the downtrodden. Oh, I'm so glad that we have Jesus this morning. So glad we have Jesus. <clears throat> the third thing is that Jesus, he says, came to proclaim, verse 19, the acceptable year of the Lord. He came to proclaim the gospel, the good news. Well, the first thing is, of course, we know what he proclaimed, and that is the good news, that you can have new life in Christ, that the old can pass away, and all things can be made new. He came to proclaim that the poor can become rich, that the poor through his poverty might become rich in spiritual blessings, that the dead can come alive, that the lost can find new destiny, that the brokenhearted can receive joy, that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. We talked about that, I believe, a couple weeks ago when John the Baptist asked, are you the one? And Jesus said, tell John what you see, the lame walk, the blind see, the hearing, the deaf have their ears open, the dead have their, uh, the, the living have their dead ones given back to them. <clears throat> so those are all things that Jesus did through the gospel. But I can summarize this in, in two thoughts, if you'd let me. The, uh, Jesus changes the utterance of Isaiah 61. Uh, and he could do that because, like, he wrote the book. So, you know, he's allowed to do that. <clears throat> so in Isaiah 61, there is a phrase, opening of prison to those who are bound. Jesus removed that phrase, and he replaced it with give sight to the blind. So he changed it a little bit. And uh, so I'm going to take both, because I believe both are correct. So we, first of all, we know, hallelujah, <laughs> Jesus still opens the eyes of the blind, doesn't he? He, he? he does that physically. There are people that are healed still to this day of blindness. But more than, than the physical blindness, we know, is the spiritual blindness, right? Spiritual blindness. He even said, having eyes, they do not see. And having ears, they do not hear. That, so that if they had eyes, they would see. That's us. If they had ears, they would hear. That's us. So the Holy Spirit <coughs> touched our eyes. And because of that touch, we now see. And we understand certain things. So first of all, we see that the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, through the gospel, gives us spiritual sight. I'm glad this morning that my Savior is constantly opening my eyes to spiritual truth. All the spiritual things around me, the spiritual things that are happening. Every day he's opening our eyes to see new things. The eyes of our understanding, Paul says, are being enlightened Deep inside, we're beginning to see more and more the things that are around us. We're seeing more. We're knowing more. We're revealing more. He's revealing more to us. No, we still see through a glass darkly. We still don't know everything. I still don't know where Bitcoin is going. <laughs> and by the way, I am still really angry with all of you because none of you told me two years ago to buy Pfizer stock. We would have all done that. We could have paid off the everything. <laughs> everything. <clears throat> but we don't, we don't know everything. But everything we need to know, he's showing us. He's showing us in these last days how to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time 
for the days are evil, Paul says. He's showing that. We're tripping less. We're falling less. We're seeing more of the devil and who he is. We're understanding more of the darkness around us. We're seeing it. We're understanding it. I don't know, if, I don't know about you, but I, I do believe, I'm, I feel more and more in these days the voice of the Holy Spirit. Not because I'm super spiritual, because your walk with the Lord does not require super spirituality. Your walk with the Lord requires you to shut up and listen and read the word and do what the word says. That's all you need to do. You don't need a PhD or or anything for that. And and so I'm finding in my own life that that when I'm saying, Lord, show me, show me, show me, I believe he starts to show us. He begins to show us who he is. But I believe even more than that, and this is what I'm excited about in these last days, I believe he's opening doors of prisons, hallelujah, for all of us. For those of us trapped in fear, he's releasing us from fear. For those hearts eroded by doubt, I believe he's confirming things that will strengthen us. His his, his strength is being made perfect in weakness. Those of us that are in panic, I believe he's bringing a calm assurance in the midst of a storm. I believe he's teaching us an an understanding, and we are taking the forefront in, I believe, what God is doing. As a matter of fact, and and I don't talk about it a lot, but, but we know that now Omicron is out, right? Omicron. I told you, I told you, if you would listen closely, you will know the entire Greek alphabet by the time this is done. They skipped Kappa, Lambda, Mi, Ni, and Xi, but they went to Omicron. But there was an Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Yoda. Those are for all different places. So now, so now we're down to Omicron, P, Rho, Sigma, Tau, Upsilon, etc. We're almost at the end. We're almost at Omega. We're almost at Omega where Jesus already is. Because he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So we're almost there, and, and we'll get through it. We'll get there, we'll get to Omega, and it'll all be done, and we'll get on with life. But, I believe anyway, I'm hoping, but uh, as, as we do this, I was just reading uh, the, the uh, head uh, media, uh, medical person, Dr. No, <laughs> no, he's our guy, the Dr. Fauci in South Africa, uh, whose name, something. With a couple of, you know, South African, and then you got to throw in a couple of clicks because that's the way they, their language is. <clears throat> and, um, but they, they gave a report because I believe it's been out now for about three weeks. And they said the major symptoms, and this is written down, you could read it on, online, it's, it's, it's all true. The major symptoms of Omicron, it, it is severely mild. severely mild. <laughs> I don't, I guess that's good. Severely mild, and the major symptom is a headache. And uh, some have been reporting body aches, and it's mostly all 40 and under. <laughs> so who cares? <laughs> Sorry, Yassi. Uh, so, <laughs> I said all that to say this, folks. Uh, number one, uh, headaches and body aches, that describes my life every day from December until March or April. 
I know, Russells, it doesn't describe you because you go to the Carolinas. And the Hickmans are in Florida. <laughs> I said all that to say this. Folks, no panic here. Calm assurance. Calm assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. What are we? We are heirs of salvation this morning. Hallelujah. The purchased of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. Hallelujah. We are bound no more. We are lost no more. We are captive no more because Jesus came and set the prisoners free. Our chains are gone. Freedom has come. We are standing in the glorious liberty wherewith we've been set free. I believe we're living in the days right now of the manifestation of the sons and daughters of glory, the sons and daughters of the Most High. Creation has groaned for this moment. Captivity has longed for this freedom. And I believe it's time for the body of Christ to stand up and start laying hands on COVID patients. Stand up, start laying hands on the stick. Stand up, start commanding the darkness that's around us. Declare the good news of redemption and glorification that comes with the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now's, now's not the time to pull back, folks. Now's the time to run forward as fast as you can. Run to the roar, run to the noise, run to the problem, run to the situation, and run with the good news that Jesus has given us that he has set humanity free through the power of the gospel. So Jesus came to proclaim. He came to proclaim I'm giving you sight. I'm giving you hearing. I'm giving you understanding. I'm giving you the glory of the kingdom of God. I'm giving you everything that you need to make it through this wasteland. It's all happening. I believe that in front of us should be a wasteland and a desert, and behind us should be an oasis with flowing water. In front of us should be a place of peril and destitution and darkness. Behind of us should be a kingdom of light and love and glory. And more and more are coming into that kingdom right now. That's what these days are. These are days of victory. These are days of glory. Hallelujah. Now, listen, folks, I'm telling you right now, and, and I'm done. I'm done because uh, <clears throat> we've got to finish. But I'm telling you right now, if you lived, and, and I may bring this up again, and I'm working on something in the future here, but if you lived in 1347 to 1342 to 1357, though that 15-year period in Europe, during the, dark, the Black Death, that 15-year period, 40 to 50% of Europe died. It, historians say that it, it took 200 years for Europe and parts of Asia and North Africa to get over the Black Death. 40 to 50% died. But you know what? We're still here, aren't we? The gospel is still being preached, isn't it? Jesus is still healing well, why didn't he heal all those people in the Black Death? I don't know. I'm not Jesus. You ask him someday. But he's, the gospel is stronger and more powerful and covers more of the globe now than it ever has in human history. Even with half of it dying. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's happening and we're watching it. 
and we're part of it. Well, he said, what happens if, if this thing kills half of humans? Well, hallelujah. We'll either still be preaching the gospel down here to the other half or we'll be in heaven. But I believe God is doing something and he's inviting us to join in the kingdom ministry of Jesus in these last days and say, keep preaching, keep preaching, keep declaring. What? The good news of the gospel, that God is a healer and a deliverer and a sanctifier and a savior. And he wants to give you a new future right now. And he wants to give you a new future in heaven. We have the answer this morning. Same answer it's been for five, six, seven, ten thousand years of human history. It's God doing his work in Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you that we have the answer this morning. It's the same message that our Lord and Savior preached. Proclaim, he said, tell this, that we're giving sight to the blind. We're opening prison doors. We're proclaiming the acceptable year of God's favor. That's what's being poured out right now. The acceptable year of God's favor. And Father, we're so glad we could be part of that proclamation. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus right now. Not on statistics, not on this thing or that thing, not on politicians or parties or whatever. Those things are fine. We have to have those. We're in the world. But above and beyond it all, help us to keep our eyes fixed on the cross of Calvary, fixed on who Jesus is, fixed on an empty tomb and a risen Savior that says, all authority has been given to me, past tense, in heaven and on earth. Now, therefore, go and make disciples, he said, based on the authority that he has, not on our own authority, but his authority. Help us to have that mindset as we pull people as brands from the burning in these last days. We thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand to your feet. You know, <clears throat> as the Holy Spirit just plopped that last phrase into my mind, we have to remember, folks, Jesus said 2,000 years ago, all authority. There's that word all again. Is this an all Sunday? Is that what we're doing? all authority so does what does all mean 70% 90% all authority has been given to me past tense in heaven and on earth how many of you are in heaven right now boy I wish someone would raise their hand because that means maybe we're all going to go <laughs> we're on the earth is his authority on the earth it is, it's been given, it's done on earth. Now go, he said, and make disciples. I'm glad we can go in his name, hallelujah. Praise his name. Everybody give him a blessing right now. Praise him in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you, you are dismissed. Go forth praising him in Jesus' name. <laughs>